Welcome to the Ecom Gold podcast. I have a great episode for you today. Did you see on Twitter a week or so ago the brand Orca, a energy beverage company, blow up, just took the space by storm? Well, it turns out that they've been doing that not just in our DC e-commerce bubble on Twitter, but actually on TikTok, Instagram, and pretty much anywhere else that they feature. Why? Because of their design. The design of the can is transparent. I've never, ever seen this before. The component of the business is that it's an energy drink based around the consumption of water. Caffeine suspended in water and flavored with really interesting, really intriguing flavors. The company's called Orca. The can is transparent, as I've mentioned. The branding is beautiful. So naturally, when I saw this, I had to get the scoop. I had to understand who's bringing this to market. Surely it's some kind of offshoot of PepsiCo, two innovative engineers working late at night to bring out this incredible new beverage. It's not. It's Michael and Nash, and I think that's better. And in this episode, you'll find out why. These are two guys, hell-bent on trading in their 401ks, rinsing their families and their friends' bank account to bring this drink to life. By the start of this, I was admiring their product. By the end of it, I wanted to invest. Let me know what you think. I think this is an incredible product and I can't wait for it to come out. As always, a special thanks to our sponsors, Sendlane and Rewind. Sendlane, the email, SMS and reviews platform used by many and more being added every single day. Why? Because the team is fantastic. The product is modern and built for today's e-commerce brand owner and the deliverability, all the things they're doing. It isn't just a step change away from things like Clavio. It's a whole different beast. So go and check out Sendlane. If you haven't already, you will not be disappointed. And Rewind, the app that every Shopify store should have installed for peace of mind because it backs up everything. Your customer's data, your order data, your product data, your images, your copy, your theme, everything that is your online store is backed up every single day, held neatly in a vault for you. Should you ever need it, should you need to restore something because an app that you've installed messed something up or an employee accidentally deleted something. It could be any number of things. All you have to do is click a button and the crisis is averted. Without it, you're talking possibly weeks of issues, development and lost revenue. So just go and install it for peace of mind. They also offer things like a staging environment for your website. So you can test things before you do them on your live environment, as well as a number of other things in their protection suite. Go and check them out. Right. Over to you, Michael and Nash. Michael and Nash, the guys behind Orca, are on the show on the Ecom Gold podcast. How are you doing today, gentlemen? Great. Doing well. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man. Well, look, please, each of you, maybe uh, Michael first, give us an introduction. Get, let, let, let us get to know the guys behind the brand a little bit. What's your backstory? Yeah. yeah, I'm Michael Moriarty. I'm from New York City originally. Um, I met Nash at Georgetown, where we went to college together, and moved out to Los Angeles three years ago. Initially, to, to to be in tech, I was coding for a tech company for two years or for a little over a year, and and then Nash and I came together something like fifteen months ago with this idea and started to pursue it, and have been working on it since then, and are now hopefully launching Work Energy Water and. In the immediate future. Nash? Yeah, that uh that that covers most of it. I'm I'm originally from out here in LA. 
met Mike in college, um, good friends, moved out to LA a few years ago and, uh, yeah, started working on Orca about a year or two ago. So talk us through this company. Is this your first consumer good? Yeah, we have no, neither of us have any experience in consumer packaged goods in anything other than our previous job, basically, which we had respectively both in tech. This is our first anything. Yeah. First splash. Um, we didn't, I, I personally had no plans of going into this space in a beverage or CPG in general. I don't think Nash did either. Um, it just sort of happened where we saw this white space and we had a problem with energy drinks that we drank every morning and we're waiting for someone to solve it and no one solved it. And so we thought, let's, let's go for it ourselves. And that's how we ended up in this industry. Talk to me about this white space that you spotted then, because this is a crowded market. In fact, just before we do that, for anyone just listening to the show and who didn't see you guys have a blow up on Twitter outside of uh, the e-commerce space, can you just explain the product and just walk us through uh, what it is? Yeah. So Orca is an energy drink that tastes like water. Um, a super light flavored water. It's got 150 milligrams of caffeine, uh, zero sugar, zero calories, and only five ingredients. Um, it was birthed because our, our sort of contention with energy drinks is that they all tasted like candy. And even the energy drinks, some of the kind of better for you energy drinks that had low sugar and low calories, they were still designed to taste like legacy energy drinks. And our contention wasn't with the sugar or calorie count. It was that these drinks just tasted like candy. And, you know, when you're drinking two, three of these a day or drinking them early in the morning, that can kind of get old. Um, and so we were like, let's just design an energy drink that's super light, make it taste like water, pull everything out that doesn't need to be in it, uh, kind of distill it into its core elements. And then, yeah, that's how we ended up with Orca. And a, and a pretty incredible can as well. I don't know if you can even call it a can. I think you need to invent a new word for what that vessel is for transporting your product. But we'll come on to that. Just before we get there then, so you said about this white space. So you, are you talking about uh, this kind of, how would you describe your product then versus this kind of candy-like energy drink? What, what would you, what adjectives would you use to describe your product to someone? Yeah, I think um, one is it's water-like would be the first use. It, it literally tastes like water with a tiny hint of flavor. The second is refreshing, which I don't think it, you'd be hard pressed to find an energy drink on the market in the CVS that you could call refreshing. Cause like Nash said, they all kind of taste like candy or just soda. They're all kind of tastes like a, you know, it's carbonated. It's a little sweet. They've got funky flavors. And so refreshing is usually what comes to mind. So we were like, yeah, let's just take all the caffeine and put it in water and have this refreshing beverage that you can have in the morning and not feel like you have to brush your teeth after it. Yeah, I completely understand that. Um, Okay, so you have this uh, product idea. And then who's your target market then? Who, who are your kind of core cohort of customers that you think really want this product? Uh, us, shortly. Again, like we designed this product for us. I'd say given the caffeine content, existing energy drink consumers are sort of the target market. Um, we think there's a good 
case and value prop to heavy coffee drinkers, people who, who maybe are looking to substitute their second coffee of the day. Um, but yeah, really, really just caffeine drinkers in general. Yeah, I think early on we decided that we wanted to be an energy drink that tastes like water instead of a water that has caffeine in it. And so a lot of our design design decisions and branding and, and just product design in general was kind of positioning against Celsius, which is what I came from drinking, basically. Like we both followed the path of an energy drink drinker where you went from like Monster and Red Bull down to something a little bit more healthier, like Lonnie New and Celsius. And I was drinking Celsius every morning when we started to think about the alternative. And so we're kind of going after, yeah, people who are currently drinking at Celsius, but like still in the morning are like, this is like, tastes like soda. I wish there could be something else. But also like Nash said, it applies to a much bigger audience. We think like my mom, for example, loves it. Um, and she's never had a Red Bull in her life. Like she was, has never once gone to the, the, the Red Bull section of a fridge at a CVS. And I think with our can and our, nutritional panel it's kind of more appealing to different a different demographic in that way yeah so that's such a good point as well I, I think caffeine is is so addictive but a lot of people love it i love it and um i'm glad that it's in my life helps me get through the day but i don't i drink a lot of coffee but i don't necessarily enjoy drinking coffee in some ways i drink coffee purely because i know it's got caffeine in it so i'm like gonna hit a coffee because I want another coffee. I only drink cold coffee. Can't stand hot coffee. Um, and I, the reason why I wouldn't drink four energy drinks a day is because I know that they're not great. Or like you said, they're very sweet or they don't taste great. And the first thing I do in the morning after about half an hour is have a coffee, but not because I want a coffee. It's because I want the caffeine and I'm not going to start drinking sugar-free Red Bulls at silly o'clock in the morning. So a product like that, I can absolutely see how that would fit because if I just wake up and have a nice hydrating can of water plus some caffeine, I mean, that ticks all of my boxes. But then you also, someone like my fiance, she drinks coffee. Again, not a particular fan of the taste, but now she's hooked on the caffeine. She kind of has to. It's like a kind of like a contract that she didn't want to enter into, but she's in now. Um, so, you know, if there's an alternative uh, that is cleaner or at least on the surface feels cleaner, then I think there's a massive market for that. And like you said, so why, why is it, what are your, what are your competitors doing then? Because it feels like a clean energy drink, a simple energy drink must be something that people have explored. Have you, have you looked into that? And I know you've got some incredible ways that you set yourselves apart, but just in general, what's the market like in terms of competition? So I think, uh, it's sort of twofold. Um, like I said earlier, I think the the primary focus of Better For You energy drinks was getting the sugar and calorie content to zero at whatever cost. And that cost was one, um, energy drinks that have 30 ingredients. So all sorts of chemical substitutes for sugar and calories. We didn't want to do that. And then two, getting this much amount of caffeine into a water and having it still taste like water was not easy. And, and took us sort of a year. Um, and so we're the, you know, there are other caffeinated waters on the market, but with much, much lower caffeine contents. And so, um, you know, if you're a, if you're a coffee drinker, you couldn't really substitute your coffee or your energy drink for, for what was on the market. And so we wanted a suitable, um, you know, alternative to someone drinking Celsius, for example. Yeah. I think there's like, 
urban brands that have been come close like to solving the problem that we initially had. And I remember going to like Air One here in LA and looking for a comparable product before we even started with Orca. And I think the problem was that basically no one no one has put all three pieces together if the pieces are the the product, like the flavor, the packaging, and then the branding. So some like Highball is one that comes to mind where it's a really clean energy drink. It's like very similar, not a lot of ingredients. It's carbonated, but it was in this can that if it's sitting on a shelf is indistinguishable from a Red Bull or, or basically a loud, colorful energy drink. So if you're a consumer like I was looking in the shelf for something different and I just see it kind of blending in like wallpaper with the rest of the colorful, intense energy drinks, it was just hard to find. And so that's an example of a drink that got the taste right, but didn't get the message out to the consumer, I think, effectively and is no longer around. And so that's where the clear can came from a lot, which was a decision we made really early on, which is like, consumer has to see that it's clear and it has to be very, it has to be visually very clear that it's different from what it's sitting next to. Um, but yeah, like Nash said, most, most better few energy drinks did not even do that. They just wanted it to the, the panel to read healthy, but they wanted it to taste sweet. You touched on such a great point there about step changing away from the traditional. Cause I, I mean, in your experience, how much of this game is about marketing for you guys in, in beverage CPG? How much of it is about ingredients versus marketing? If you had to put a percentage on it on what the consumer cares about more, where would you, where do you think you'd land? I don't even want to toss out numbers. I, I, we, I've got no idea. Yeah. I mean, we haven't launched yet, so it's tough for us to, to, um, confidently put a number on it. I think if you ask us on a day, it would, our answer would completely change. Um, you know, we blew up on Twitter. We'd say it's a lot easier than it, than it probably is. But like you ask us when we do our production run, we'd say manufacturing is the hardest or like getting the taste right is the hardest. And so we'll have a better answer for you in probably eight weeks when people are well into trying work and giving us feedback. Yeah. I mean, my, my take on it is like you said, you need something that really stands out and, and is obviously different to what the market is offering. Uh, even though ultimately you deliver the same end goal, which is a way to deliver caffeine in some ways. Um, it's a radically different approach to doing that. And I think your design is radically different and that is enough to get that initial, what is this intrigue from a potential consumer, which is, I guess, the reason why you designed your can like that. And I saw a real, of the evolution of your package design. So just before we get into that, who's the designer on this team? What what are the kind of top three qualities of each of you and, and why do you work together as a pair, do you think? Uh, it, it's sort of a group effort, I'd say. Um, I think, you know, I think all of our kind of like best ideas, both on the, the packaging and just in general, have been pretty iterative. Um, which I think it's helpful. Like, you know, I'll suggest an idea for something and then Mike will make it better. And then like, you know, I think the, like in the video you saw the packaging kind of evolved a lot to get where it was. And I think it was just, you know, it took a while. Um, we wanted it to be super minimal and kind of let the, let the can do the talking. Um, yeah, I, didn't really answer your question there, but I think group effort in general. Yeah, I think we just had a, I think we were both on the same page about 
kind of the fundamental principles of it, which like Nash said, was we wanted to be different than how it was, how energy drinks were done and energy drinks are just in general, especially their packaging, very loud. Like they've got loud colors, loud names, loud branding. And so we wanted to be kind of this reserved aesthetic in a, in a sea of really loud drinks for lack of a better word. And so that kind of concept informed each decision and each iteration of the process. I imported uh, a bulk import of products into Shopify and I did not put in the Metafields the created date and uh, that sent the whole filtering system haywire because you could no longer filter by collect collections by newest in first uh, or, or date added to the website which was a really big problem for this quite large fashion brand. If I didn't have Rewind, that would have been a complete pickle. It would have taken hours, if not days, to sort out all of the while these products are live and really messing up their merchandising. A mistake by me, absolutely. But fortunately, I had the foresight to install Rewind before I made any of these changes. And I was able to just click a button, restore the site back to a previous version just a few minutes before I made that fatal error and no one was any the wiser. That's the value of Rewind. That's just one use case, okay? One use case. There are hundreds of other use cases. Have it on there because when you need it, you'll text me or you'll tweet me and say, thank you so much, Finn, for recommending that I installed Rewind. You saved my bacon. Back to today's show. Where, where did, how did you get the name Orca? Twofold question. One, like, how did you think of the name Orca? But then two, how did you how did you actually get, or is, it seems like such an obvious and catchy and great name. I'm just like, how did you even get the license to use it uh, on your product? Um, was that a fairly straightforward process? So to answer your first question, we considered like, God, 500 names. Um, and it took us so long to pick a name. Um, Orc is the Icelandic word for energy. Um, and we were, you know, Googling foreign words for energy and, and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, and, uh, we sent out a bunch of polls to people we trusted and friends and just over time, it kind of stuck and people liked it and people remembered it. Um, and then, yeah, just filed for a trademark, um, in the United States. And, and that's how we sort of ended up here. Nice. What were some of the close losers to Orca? What were some, a couple of the names that you didn't use? We were considering wild stuff like ah, mailbox. Like we, we were considering, we were so deep in it. We were considering wacky stuff. There were some more realistic options like breakwater, um, snapwater, snapwater. Yeah. I mean, I remember like whether or not to have water in the actual brand name was a huge sort of discussion too. Um, yeah, I think we had a, we oscillated between different, like what we wanted the name to achieve, where like early on, we were all about differentiation. So that's where a name like Mailbox came. We were like, we need to use every, every design decision has to be so different. And so we had one called Modus Tollens that we thought was like, obviously really different. And then we we found out that no one could remember it after hearing it like 10 minutes later. And so we kind of scrapped like, okay, maybe then if we're using this insane can, like, Maybe the name doesn't have to be Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like it can just be something short and snappy and easy to remember. And so that's where Orca came in. Um, but yeah, it, it was not, 
like a like a light bulb moment. It was like one in a muck of a hundred that just kind of came out of the came out of the pack. So talk to us about the can design then, because I've seen transparent cans knocking around. Is that actually going into production or are you going to have to fill in the uh, the white space when you actually get into production? No, that'll be, this is how it's going to look. Um, wow. The can, the can, so as Mike mentioned, like it was very important for us, not just to stand out, but to showcase to the consumer that the liquid inside was clear. Like that's kind of, one of sort of the the main principles of Orca, I guess, is like if you look at the inside of a lot of the other energy drinks, it's yellow, blue, green. It's it's all sorts of colors. It looks the way it tastes, and we wanted to show the consumer it's just it's just water. Um, and so there are a few obvious options with that glass being one of them, um, and the PET can, which presented like tons of operational hurdles early on. We kind of looked past and then you know as we thought about it more and more it kind of became the clear winner and we were like let's just work through all these sort of manufacturing hurdles to to get it done um and yeah again i mean our goal was like for the consumer to have a moment in the aisle where it's like it's almost like a seemingly misplaced item like that that shouldn't be in this section that looks like water and sort of demands demands inspection so we're super happy with uh with how it looks. Yeah, and I think it like perfectly um encapsulates the product in the sense that it's shaped like an energy drink but looks like a water. And like like I said earlier, that was a big discussion point, which was we we knew it had to be clear, but we wanted to make sure it wasn't mistaken for water. Because there are there were caffeinated waters in the market with a lot less caffeine and they're not considered energy drinks but they look like water and they don't stand out in the shelf. They sit in the water section. And so they kind of fall again, like wallpaper. And so we were, you know, we, we thought about glass and a normal bottle. And when we came across this, it was like, okay, this is it. This is the entire product, like encapsulated in, in just the packaging alone. Even if there was no label, it's an energy drink shape that would sit in an energy drink section, but as a water bottle uh, clarity. We don't have to go into specifics, but I'm going to ask you about, what that does to your, um, to your costs, uh, and the decision you had to make in your head about, no, this is because my assumption is this is going to be more expensive to produce than a standard can. Um, so there's two types of founders, right? There's one that looks at the spreadsheet and goes, no drive costs as low as possible. And let's, you know, the products get out there and we can do whatever. And then there's the other one that says, no, let's create an experience, uh, no matter, you know, if it increases the cost. Because ultimately that, like you said, will deliver an experience that elevates us, sells more cans, blah, blah, blah. So you obviously chose that way. Did you consider ever just using a lower cost? Am I right in my assumption that it is a higher cost option? And then if it is a higher cost option, yeah, did you, what was the conversation like between you about how you ended up going for that can? Yeah, you're right. It is, it is higher cost. And, um, we were, we were both on the same page, like, the product and product design came first and um you know it just i think the the nash made the point yes last week where it's like how many drinks can you take a photo of and they get a million views on twitter just by a picture of it and so the the higher cost of the actual cogs of the can are we think outweighed by the marketing save and the 
virality of the can and it's standing out on the shelf and the difference there makes up that whatever scent difference the, the can is. And I say whatever, like we know what it is, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you convince, how did you convince someone to do this and to take this bet? Because I've never seen a transparent can. I don't know if I haven't been looking or I have never seen this, uh, especially with beautiful branding like you've got. And I can't imagine it's particularly easy to print on or I, I can just, there's, there must be a lot of things that you've got to contend with. How did you manage to convince someone to go, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll try and make this for you? Yeah, it's tough, especially at the, the sort of initial quantities we were looking at. We basically became or tried to become sort of experts in manufacturing with this clear can. And basically like sort of every hurdle that a manufacturer might face, we learned about and learned you know, how, how best we could kind of help them solve it. So we were kind of now going into conversations with manufacturers way more dialed on what we need, what we need to do, you know, how we could solve the things with their line, depending on what type of line they had. Um, I think that was sort of the, the big thing that's given, uh, sort of manufacturers to take a, maybe a leap of faith on us. And then I think, um, you know, we've been getting a, some good attention online on social media and people are excited about it. And so I think that also helps too. There's a really good and interesting insight there. So you were speaking to manufacturers, reading between the lines. It sounds, sounds like they were, they were presenting you with problems, but you actually went ahead and did the research essentially to teach them how to make the cans. Is that, that's kind of what I heard. Is that where you took it? Yeah, we, we, you know, we spoke with sort of everyone who's ever tried to use this can before the suppliers of the can, um, you know, people who've manufactured with it before. And, um, yeah, so like, you know, when a manufacturer is like this laser isn't working, like we know which laser is going to work to replace it, stuff like that. How's the funding journey been in terms of, I mean, this is not a low cost business to start, generally speaking. What what have you done so far to get the funds together to get to the point where did you say you're launching in eight weeks? Yeah, we're we're hopefully launching sooner than that. We uh we raised a friends and family round last summer, so it it started. National quit our jobs in March and dumped our personal money into it to get to a point where we could raise money in the summer. We raised some money in the summer, uh, with the hope of using that to basically do a trial, which we're about to start imminently get the product out there, get feedback, launch online, tinker the formula, just to see how it's just established product market fit. Um, and then hopefully we're going to launch a seed round in 2024 with, we think, hopefully good data um, after selling some cases online and getting that feedback. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. That's great news because um, it's great to have got to this point on friends and family. Like I, I wouldn't have said that was, yeah, that's, that's impressive. Um, so I saw on your reels, one of them that you spent a thousand of those dollars, just over a thousand of those dollars recreating the Hollywood, I don't want to say the Hollywood bowl, cause that's not right. Is it? It's the Hollywood something, the kind of <laughs> auditorium, uh, with lots of, lots of energy drinks. I mean, the, the comedic value in your reels is great. It, it actually made me laugh out loud that one, especially the end of it. But just talk to me about about like the the brand tone of voice that you're creating around Orca because it seems to have a pretty good personality already. 
we're, I think we're just kind of throwing a lot at the wall and, and seeing what sticks, seeing what people like. We're definitely trying to be, do things a little bit differently, kind of do things that we think are cool and funny. And, uh, we've got a little surprise coming for everyone who orders, uh, a pack in our, our first production run too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we had a bunch of ideas about like when we were sitting here eight months ago, we had ideas, grander visions for the brand, which we, we still would like to achieve. But like Nash said in the, in the media, we've just been posting shit on TikTok and seeing what works and just iterating and kind of fi- figuring it out as we go. It's been fun. And we've gotten some feedback, um, especially from this one guy on Twitter who keeps keeps saying it, but like saying, you know, this is such a premium looking product. Like you guys should be doing high level, sophisticated, super classy branding and, and messaging. And that's just like, not us, you know, we're not those guys. And I don't think that we could try to convince people that we are those guys. And yeah, the product's pretty and, and looks premium, but we're, we're just normal guys. So I think that's, that's how we're doing the, the marketing for now. I, I agree. And I also, I think authenticity to yourselves is, is great. And if, you know, if that transpires into the marketing that you're creating, even better. But also, who knows? Like, who actually knows? I think like Innocent Drinks in the UK had a really strong tone of voice, uh, which was kind of cheeky and they are wildly successful. And, um, they're also quite premium. So I think there's a balance, isn't there? Like, just however you want to be. But yeah, I, I love the content that you're putting out. I think it's brilliant and fits the brand really well, in my opinion. Um, so talk to us a little bit about your go-to-market strategy. You've got, honestly, your your total t- TAM, total addressable market, is massive. So, and also it's your first, you know, it's your first batch. There might be things you need to tweak and tinker. So like just, what are you, what, what are you hoping for? Who are you hoping to reach with this first release? And like, what do you hope happens from there in terms of like, okay, it's go time now. How are we going to scale this? Yeah, I think so. We, our social media success has far surpassed the volume that we are making initially. Um, not by design. It just sort of happened like that. And I think with this initial run, we're doing it strictly online and we're going to do the second run also strictly online with the hope of demonstrating good product market fit and then showing that to distributors locally in Los Angeles and in the United States in general and with an eye towards eventually expanding into retail because we know the beverage is a retail predominantly business and so we're under no illusion that we're going to be DSC forever but with this this these initial small runs we want to get it to the people who have been following us and who the proposition really speaks to and who has that problem that we had where they're drinking Celsius every morning and you know they have to brush their teeth after or they're drinking coffee and it stains their teeth and whatever. It's too physical for them. They want to try something else. We want to see if it a solves their problem, b how effectively it solves their problem. Like how many of how many they're drinking a day? Is it replacing their afternoon coffee? Is it replacing their morning? You know, all these questions that we have, um, we hope to get answered through feedback and, and take that into our next iteration of the product uh, on a bigger scale. 
you are in the D2C space, if you have a brand that's selling online and you haven't at least had a demo with Sendlane, then one of two things is objectively true about you. You like setting money on fire. You like making your life more difficult. If neither of those things are true and you are an e-commerce brand and you are selling online, you do send emails, you do send SMS, you do have reviews or you at least like to collect reviews, then there is no reason for you not to at least have had a demonstration with Sendlane. They are built for e-commerce. They are the most modern platform with the best features, in my opinion, at the lowest cost. I mean, I'm not really sure what would be holding you back. Please go and check them out. Show notes below. They have an event coming up. You can still get tickets, I believe, for that event in San Diego. A link to the Commerce Roundtable in the show notes below as well. Please do go and check out Sendlane if you haven't already. Back to the episode. Have you thought about what happens if this goes wildly better than you expect? You do your launch, some influencers get hold of it, some people, you know, and it's already socially viral, in my opinion, versus the effort you've put in for the output you've got is insane. If that continues, which you'd expect it would, what happens if it just goes crazy? Are you... And, the, and I, I, I mean that as a positive and negative because those moments, uh, you, you obviously want to be able to fulfill the orders and the demand that that creates. So how quickly could you scale this if, if you had to or if you wanted to? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're already sort of dealing with that on a, on a small level. Like the batch that we sort of you know, produced a few weeks ago, we expected to last us for three to four months. And having just, you know, marketed it in the last couple of months here, it's become clear, like, we're going to sell this out now, probably pretty instantly. So like, we've got to turn around, do a much bigger production run. We're sort of vetting future manufacturers, figuring out who's going to be able to produce this for us at bigger scale. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting ready for a bunch of different scenarios. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to fulfill the demand and the demand will be big. Yeah. And we've gotten, I mean, before we started marketing it, like the number one advice we got from people in the industry, this was months ago, like in our, you know, over the last year, when we talked to founders and people with more expertise than us and just asked them their advice is they were like the number one killer of CPG is expanding too fast or, or scaling way too fast. Um, and so we had this idea in our heads that we were going to be really good about like, throttling growth and not falling through the trap that a lot of founders before us have fallen into where they get, you know, approached by a big retailer and they think that just means more money and they go in and then all of a sudden you've got bad product on shelves everywhere and the velocity isn't growing and that kind of descends. On this on the other hand, like if the scenario you're describing does come to fruition, we just have a bunch of tough decisions where it's like we don't like that would be great, but it's also a, it's an issue when you have demand and you can't fulfill it. And like a lot of people have been giving a shit on our TikTok and Twitter for kind of indefinitely teasing this product. It's been it's been a lot of teasing, and part of that is because we don't want to release it, and then people like it, and then they can't get it for a little bit. And so we just want to make sure we've got all of our bases covered, and that we've got our manufacturers lined up so that when we do hit the ground running like we don't stop and we can we can be prepared as Nash set for scenario A, B, and C and have different uh, routes. And so we're just over-preparing. But to answer your question, that will just lead to a lot of tough decisions for sure down the road and more money we would need. 
or sugar as well. I, th- I think that's super sensible. And you've obviously done your homework there. I think every single person I've had on this show that I can think of and on other shows that I'm part of who has gone into retail went in early. I don't think anyone that I've spoken to said, yeah, we did that pretty well. It's good timing for us. I think everyone's gone. We went in early and we caused a lot of shit. They all survived and they're all great now. Um, maybe bar one, but, but most of them go early. Uh, so I, I like the approach that you're taking. Demand is with the market that you've got and the product you've got, you know, if it goes well, you guys are going to, your, your dreams will come true financially, I imagine, but also in all the other ways that running a brand like this would. But in terms of like speed, the demand, I'd, I'd love to have the level of demand you guys have generated. Just so promising. You must be just over the moon. I know you've obviously spent a lot of time with the product and everything like that, but it must feel great to just have that market fit, design on point, messaging getting there. Um, what do you think? I mean, what are your aims? Did you do this just because you were like, I know you wanted a better for you drink, but like you, you saw a space, but Red Bull kind of went down the extreme sport, uh, and kind of extreme activity road and ghost has gone down that similar path with kind of fitness. And then you've got a number of others that have chosen a path. What's your path? Like, where do you think you'll end up in terms of like how your brand is perceived? Who, who's going to be drinking it? And, and do, do you understand what I mean? If you visualize forwards like five years, how do you see your brand in terms of like how people interpret it versus some of these other brands? I think um, as much as there was a white space and sort of the taste profile of these drinks, there was too in the marketing and branding of them. And we, you know, when we worked our jobs previous to doing this, like we were drinking energy drinks in the office and most of the people that we knew who consumed energy drinks were like normal people. And um, so we were a little bit almost befuddled by every single, most of the energy drink brands that, you know, sponsoring BMX riders and extreme sports and fitness. And we were like, why don't we kind of design it to be something that someone could drink in the office or in a boardroom and not get a sideways look. Um, And so I think we kind of wanted to, redefine what an energy drink brand could be um, from a brand perspective. And so I don't know exactly what that would look like in in five years, but I think it probably would be moving away from extreme sports and fitness and into sort of more, um, I don't know, cerebral areas. That's such a good point. If I ever see someone like pre 12 o'clock crack open a monster at work, I think they're a nutter. Do you know what I mean? It's like the instant perception is you're insane. Uh, because it, yeah, because of the connotations of what that drink is. Um, but actually, yeah, I, by that point, I've probably had three double espressos. So I'm like, yeah, bad place to judge from. Um, okay, cool. I just wanted to understand like where, where you think this might end up. I, I see it the same. As soon as I saw that can, I started thinking of in the UK, we have a show called Made in Chelsea. I don't know why it popped into my head, but it's essentially very affluent people. It's a uh, reality show and they get followed around some of the nice areas of London and you would never see one of them drinking, uh, you know, Monster or Red Bull or anything like that, but you would definitely, I can see them pulling one of those out of their handbag. And that was what instantly hit me. Don't know why that was the first thing I thought. I don't even watch the show. So, um, but yeah, 
So I, I think I'm aligned with that. Um, we're obviously not going to get these in the UK for a while. You've said that your strategy is going to be going into retail, which makes a lot of sense, but I can see this as a D2C brand as well. What about other channels like events and different things like that? Do you think you'll become uh, somewhat of an entertainment company? You're already doing it a little bit with your content, but do you think you'll expand that? Isn't it? that an area you're interested in becoming like a media company as well as a beverage company? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Liquid Death is obviously the uh, pioneer of that model. And I know they think of themselves as a, as a media company first, almost, then a water company. I think we really believe in the product first and seriously, like we're just selling this because we love it and we think that people will love it and it solves a problem. But we're also aware of um, that aspect to it. I think in terms of events and down the that's obviously down the line and we're trying to put one foot in front of the other. But I think our general principles of just differentiation would apply to that as well, where, you know, we're already thinking of events that are less, you know, like the X Games or something like that, that we could sponsor and do like a chess tournament or, I don't know, something in the morning that's that's a little bit more us. Um, so short answer is we're trying to take it one day at a time, but we've got some dreams that might be unrealistic down the line, but hopefully are different. I don't know. Yeah, I think beverage companies do a great job with their media. Um, Holden, the guy over at Ghost, is a legend. He's been on the show, and what he's been able to do for a long time is 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 awesome. Just documenting the brand, but I think you guys are a bit different. All right, I'm gonna. What, what one thing is? What 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 do a lot of people ask you that I haven't asked you? What's one question you get a lot? Friends, family, that people ask you all the time that I haven't asked you that the listeners might want to know. Maybe what flavors coming next? I guess. Um, to which I'd say, I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> we've got a few in the pipeline the, the good news is we've got the bones of the drink designed properly. So hopefully it's pretty plug and play with adding new flavors. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I mean, you've, you've asked pretty thorough questions, so I don't know if there's anything you didn't cover. The, the one question I get often, which you kind of hinted at was, is like, what makes you think you can succeed in such a crowded category? Like, I feel like I always hear that. Like, your guys are entering the most crowded category ever. Like, why do you think you can make it? And to that, I mean, it's just, I think you understand our, our proposition and why we think we're very different. And although we're in this crowded category, we like to think of ourselves as as a real and sticking out like a super sore thumb in this really crowded shelf. So um, we just hope that people like it as much as, as we do and that we can make enough of it. And um, yeah. And I, I just add to that on the, um, you know, I think recently the, the social media success has been a, a bit of validation on the marketing and, and um, design front, but what initially gave us some serious confidence on the product was, um, you know, we worked with a third party formulator on figuring out how to, how to make this. And we would get samples every week of different variations of flavor and stuff. And we could not keep it in our fridge. People from all over town, all our friends would come grab it. People were trying to get us to order more from the formulator, which we were like, I, I really don't think we can do that. Like we could not keep it in our fridge. And it seemed like, the people around us genuinely wanted it too. Like they were existing energy drink consumers who were just a little bit sick of the, the, the taste and wanted something new. And um, so I think we're, 
we're confident in the product. Uh, we think that people want it. And yeah. Yeah, we had a buddy who was trying to convince us to to reserve, I think it was like 150 cases from him from our production run. Just like put a red tape over it and say this is for him. And so when he said that, we were like, well, we probably got something good on our hands. Like this is, that's a really good sign. So um, yeah, now we just have to make it for him again. <laughs> Yeah, to your point on crowds, crowds are a good thing. Crowds mean there's a reason to be there, right? Crowds are so it's such a misconception that a crowd is a bad thing. That just means there's a lot of, of something going on. And you're essentially turning up to the crowd naked, you know, literally with your can. Um, yeah. So, you know, if someone did that in real life, you'd get a lot of attention, I imagine. So, cool. Um, yeah, and to your point, like, uh, how do you feel? Well, how do you feel about it now? How do you feel about you've, because, you, when you first have the idea, it's exciting, right? Everyone's excited and you're like, shit, this could be huge. Then you start to go through the various cogs of putting this thing together. It takes a long time. It can be frustrating. It can be stressful. And you get to this point and that journey is going to continue. So like, how do you feel about it now? Are you as excited as you were in day one? More excited, less excited? How's it, how's it wearing you down or is it energizing you? Uh, I'd say more excited, um, to, to use your anecdote, we've showed up to the party naked and now we're hoping that people like what they see. And um, so like we're, we're sending out this first batch to customers and are hopeful that people like it and order it again. But, you know, maybe there's too much flavor, too little flavor, the caffeine content's off. And so we're ready to sort of be nimble, adapt where we can and, um, you know, figure out who our customer is and what they want. Yeah, I think I agree completely. I'm, I feel like I've only gotten more excited, but there's also a direct correlation with um, sort of not anxiety or like kind of the, the gravity of the situation increases with the excitement. I don't think I'm thinking of kind of key moments where I felt that where one was when we raised money and you suddenly have other people's money that your your idea is is hinges on basically. And you know we were in this sort of period where. It was uh, low stakes product design, kind of like creative dreaming about this launch. And as it's as it's uh, come closer and closer and closer, it's scary, but yeah, super exciting. And then the other big moments that we've had our first sip of the drink out of the can and like trying it and cheers, and it was like the consummation of fifteen months of putting our heads together. And then it's like, holy shit! I hope other people also like it. And we got our first, you know, hate comments too, or flooding <laughs> in. So it's like, we're getting a lot of positive stuff and there's negative stuff. And it's like, oh my God, this is what people talk about. Like you get hate, <laughs> you get like... I hate comments. What what can you possibly hate? Uh, I mean, people are certainly frustrated for of how long we've teased the product, which I, I get. Um, I think, um, you know... I mean, anything you can think yeah, of. Yeah, anything you this can think of. This is a funny... You guys um, are ugly. <laughs> yeah, you're ugly and not funny oh, okay. and stupid. Or oh, the well, idea. They're, they're all good ones. It's, 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 it's the ones that actually have any substance behind them that you're like, right. ah, I didn't think about that. Everyone gets those, right? It's just, uh, I thought you meant you're getting some like actual like critiques specifically on a on something on the can or something like that. Like this isn't legal or something like that. I mean, yeah, you're going to, especially with the stance you're taking, the approach you're taking with, um, with your content. 
it's going to be there. But I, I think that's a good thing. You want to polarize. You don't want to be, you don't want to be on the fence. You want to be yeah. uh, <laughs> making, making a splash. Um, quick fire question round, if you don't mind. Um, maybe we alternate who answers. Um, first one is, uh, dinner with someone who's either passed away or is still around. Anyone from history, current, who would you sit down for an evening with? Any questions that you want to ask, you can you can ask. Please, you lead no. us off. Um, God, that's tough. Uh, I'll go with Mike Rapoli. I'll, I'll keep it in the industry. Um, industry legend. Um, would love to get the chance to, to speak to him about his CPG experience. I think I'd, I don't know. Really, really <laughs> hard. I would do like um, Werner Herzog. And I would ask him about filming Fitzgeraldo and why he walks barefoot everywhere and stuff like that. I just have a great dinner. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, similar, similar line of questioning. Uh, CEO for the day of a current company, which company would you choose? Um... I'd do Tim Cook. I'm a. I, I know he gets a lot of flack being in the wake of of Steve Jobs. I, I actually just read um, Walter Isaacson's um, biography on Steve Jobs, and there's a section on Tim Cook. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan, so I'd love to I'd love to get the chance to talk to him. Are you saying is the question what company will we run or what CEO will we talk to? Company would you run? But I'll also take the other um, answer. If it works for me. <laughs> um, I'll do. Uh, that's a great question. I would do. I'd be the CEO of the Brooklyn Nets basketball team because they're my favorite team. And I'd make some some changes around there. <laughs> Fair enough. I would. I, I'm going to revise my answer. I would be CEO of PepsiCo. I would sign a massive distribution with Orca Beverage Company, and then I'd, I'd come back to Orca and, and deal with that. All right. You've just instigated my next question. If they turned around PepsiCo, for example, saw what you were doing on your release and said, let's get these guys early, would you take an offer? That's a tough question. Um, both whether it was an offer of financing or, or crazy distribution before we were ready. You know, I think like, again, we've just heard so many horror stories of people kind of getting ahead of their skis and raising too much money or getting distribution before they're ready. Um, and so we're super focused on kind of like throttling everything that said, I mean, if people are just loving it, maybe that's, that's something to consider. I don't know. Yeah, I think short answer is probably no. Like, I think neither of us got into this with the idea of, you know, getting it to the one yard line and then selling it, turning around and selling it immediately or something like that. Like, we've got a vision for the brand, for the product, and we think it's going to be great and that people are going to love it. And we want to see it through. And the idea of passing it off, especially, you know, right as we get going would be, uh, devastating even at any insane price that they they give because that's not what we're about what was the last thing you purchased from an e-commerce brand uh i just 
purchased some masa chips which should be arriving shortly we got the chance to speak to their founder who was epic and super helpful and uh so yeah i'm excited to get them i bought these create creatine gummies from a friend of ours and they taste really good and are you frozen i'm back you good back yeah they're they're really tasty creatine gummies so tasty that i eat too much of them i fear i'm gonna get too big um <laughs> so i've got to throttle how much i eat <laughs> right? <laughs> i'm just that eating place. them like throughout the day just with no regard for what's in them so <laughs> how many how many milligrams of caffeine do you consume a day uh i'm doing two energy drinks a day um one in the morning one in the afternoon depending on which i have it's it's around 300 milligrams um now it's orca so now it's definitely 300 i drink an insane amount i drink probably a thousand i don't know maybe more i drink as much as i can until 6 p.m and then i shut off and start drinking sleepy water but i drink a lot for sure i love it's kind it. of like a hack like build a business around caffeine and then you're like superpower haven't you because you've got to keep tasting those products you've got to keep um all right final question is there anything that you would want from any of the listeners uh is there anything they can help with is there anything that you yeah it might be investment it might be going buy our cans from here it might be does anyone know a great branding like is there anything that a potential listener of this show uh might be able to unlock for you or help with um good question i mean i think like if this product you think speaks to you and and seems like something you might like we'd love for you to try it um if not you know i think we've got some some cool marketing stuff in the chamber so you know maybe follow us on on whatever social media you're on and and uh yeah get ready yeah you can give us your email at orchidbeveragecompany.com and then you'll get a picture of our belly buttons in return. And if that's not enough, we'll, we'll personally send you pictures of any parts of our body, any parts of our body. So that's on the table for all listeners. But it starts with the I belly think, button. I think that's the caffeine talking there. Maybe maybe just come down to like 999 milligrams. Just yeah. drop it down. No, I'm joking. That, look, it's been a pleasure. I, 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 um, I'm... I, bursting with excitement for you guys i just I, I think you've nailed everything so far absolutely crushed it and um i when that seed round opens please let me know or preferably before because i want to be all over this i think this is this is going to be crazy and in a year's time if we do another one of these um i'm sure you'll be more stressed but i'm sure it'll be going very well for you um Anywhere else? We've done your socials. Where else can people reach out to you? Where, what, what about the company socials? It's Orca Bev Co. on TikTok. Orca Bev Co. On, Orca Beverage Company on Instagram. Orca Bev Co. on Twitter. OrcaBeverageCompany.com. I'm Lyle the Guru on, uh, on Twitter. Think <laughs> like that. Amazing. Thank you very much, guys. Awesome. Cheers, Thank thanks you. for having us. That was Michael and Nash on the Ecom Gold 
podcast. What a couple of legends building an incredible brand. And like I said, I'd be the first to chuck some money at them. This, I believe in a lot. I think they are on trend. I think they've got incredible design aesthetic. I think they're a couple of driven guys. Go and support them. If you haven't already seen the can, check it out on their Instagram. I recommend they do some hilarious videos and spend uh, proportionally silly amounts of money creating them. Uh, that's it for this week on Ecom Gold. Special thanks to Senlane and Rewind. Like I said, please do book a demo with them. Please do check out Rewind and install the app or the trial. Uh, it helps the show, but more importantly, uh, it will help you. I truly believe that if you're in e-commerce, I think they are the solutions that you should be operating with. Next week, we'll have another Ecom Gold podcast for your listening pleasure. Have a good week. <laughs>